Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Playing. Playing. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Father John, Father Nathan. Greetings. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Kind of a gloomy evening. I think we're just tired. Is that possible? Uh, it's it's that time in Colorado where it's just cold and it doesn't snow. And I know. It feels kind of lame. Minnesotans, though, who were out for the... Uh, Eamon was just like, this is amazing. He's like, it feels like fall. For yeah. these, these tough Minnesotans, they're just like, this is nothing. They've yeah. seen it before. They've seen it before, yeah. So they were just like, yeah. So, well, we're coming off a great weekend. I know this is uh, last week... Uh, uh, the publication was from Father Mike and Father Nathan, but uh, it's the same. We're a couple days out from the, the big podcast uh, party, which was great. Great. And uh, thanks to everybody who came out. We love meeting people, especially from out-of-towners who came in. It was just really fantastic. Yep. Father Nathan was pinned in the corner by it was a whole crowd of people. There was a couple people that gave pressing. me some death glares because I was taking too long with uh, some out of towners, right. and then I they get up to me and they're like, "I'm an out of towner," and I was like, "Okay, well, you get yeah, your, yeah, yeah. you got money on the meter now." What they were want? pressing in upon you, some more pressing than others. I know. I I felt power go out for me. <laughs> Archbishop said to me today, he said it was a great party. Oh, that's so good. He was very grateful. Well, that's good. I'm He's happy still insistent. We didn't, we didn't invite him. I'm happy he came. I'm still, uh, he's still insistent that uh, he could have raised thousands of dollars for the companions had they shaved my head. That is true. That is true. So, well, we hope uh, you had a chance to listen to the uh, podcast from uh, two weeks ago when this, when this comes out from the live, a live one, which is a fish reference. Nobody will get a live one. It was a great album. Came out in the 90s. A live one. So we did it. We made it 10 years. Mm -hmm. Cheers. We're now at 10 years and less than two weeks. Ten years and two weeks, and we're still rolling. So, people, you're still the one, you're still the one that I love, the only one I dream of. Is that Shania Twain? Yeah, I stopped because the next lyric is awkward. The uh, somebody was telling me. I think Ian Wintering told me friend his friend Lita in Phoenix, yes. who was going to come up, couldn't come up. She said listening to that podcast was like watching the Lego Movie because we were just everything is awesome. Pretty much. We've never done a live one with four of us. That is true. So that's interesting to think about. In 10 years, we've always had two or three. Yeah. We've never had all four. So yeah, it's a lot of personality for one stage. It was. Yeah, it was It was kind of ping-pongy. Yeah. So You know what, though? And they were like, what was the podcast topic? I was like, you know what? It was just kind of memories. 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 In the corner of my mind. There's a guy in the seminary named Harold who um, he just sings random. Uh, he's got a great voice, but he sings out just kind of random, horrible um, liturgical songs. Oh, and, and this I morning it was, that. he was holding the door for me and he goes, This time, Lord, change, change our hearts, hearts, change our minds, oh Lord. And I was like, No, do not get that song this stuck time. in my head. Change our lives, oh Lord. I, and there was a guy who, I mean, it was like a Vegas off-strip oh, performer. Love I love it. The world's going to be the scene. We are your people. We are your people. The Lord set apart, Lord, this time. 
change our lives. I had a, yeah. uh, I was telling the seminarians about your your plans for gather us in, done as a, yeah. kind of a drunken pirate Agreed. motif. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I think we got some interest, so we might be able to pull that off. Listen, if you get a camera crew and uh, costumes and uh, the permission from the, uh, what is it called, the College Inn? What's We're it going to the College Inn on 7th, 8th? No, no, no. The one that's right on the corner of Exposition and uh, University. Oh, that place is closed. What? Yeah. No. It's not the, is it the College Inn? The, the place where Al Ross would take us for... Um, yeah. For um, I forget what it hockey was. games, hockey games, chicken fried steak. Yep, that's no longer. What? Oh, yeah. they probably couldn't afford the rent. Probably going to become a yoga studio or oh, something exactly. like that. What so. a bunch of garbage! All right, uh, second option is going to be the bull and bush. Bull and bush would work. Yeah, yep. that's a great. A lot of dark wood. Yep, exactly. Uh, we just got to rent it out and get a hundred priests I think dressed up like sailors. Right. You know. Typical Friday. A typical Friday night. Typical Friday night. So who's your young guy? Because you know we are the old. It's got yeah. It's got to be you gotta like have, you got to have a good pairing with you, at the whoever we're gonna focus on. You know. Yeah, I think it would need to be uh, maybe like C.J. Mast. Yeah, he's like he looks he's got like, some funny. He imitation. looks like he's like eight years old. Right. Um, so the uh, the performance and the, and would the old begin, guy. The video the, would begin with two guys, two of the sailors, kind of hunched over. Right. And the first one says, "We are the young. Our lives are, are a mystery." mystery. And then you lean in. Right. Uh, no, uh, not me. Old. It's the That would be somebody like Father Thermos. Ah. So it had to be like an old, and I'd probably give him a fake beard. Yeah. That'd be very good. And maybe an eye patch. Right. And then just some random bar scenes during the Gather Us In. Right. You know. Folks, this is how we get by with uh, 70s music filling most of our lives now. Mm. You know? You yeah. Gotta, you got to get guys together and do a... Drunken, drunken pilot, pirate version of uh, Gather Us In. There so. w- oh, my gosh. What did they sing last week? Um, they sang a song that I hadn't heard in a long time, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get out of the church fast enough without giggling because <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's one, of my, one of my 70s vault songs. That's it, yeah. So that's forthcoming, folks. Just keep an eye on that Catholic Stuff YouTube channel, which has one video on it. Really? Right? Well, that's it. We just put it up on when you uh, drank Leah Darrell's breast milk at Seek. That did not happen. 2019. Did it not. almost it almost happened. Anyway, formula out of a bottle. We need to specify these things. And I didn't. Our actually, lawyers are going to actually us to, drink it. I know, but it was on your beard, and it looked like yeah. you had literally drank it. I yeah, mean, that's true. I don't. I don't laugh that hard often. That was amazing. I, I completely fell apart. That was a good memory. I honestly, honestly thought. He just, he literally just did that. Just go, went for it. <laughs> it was like the Daimon strikes, and it's just like, <laughs> just throws it back. Now, good. now we're drinking cough syrup. Negronis kind of taste like cough syrup. I like it. They're an acquired taste. You took to it quickly. Oh, I, but the it took bit, me about the, a year. The bitters. You like I that. I love that. You like the bitter Campari. taste. The bitter. It's kind of like you, complex and bitter. Right? I, I should show you this video of my grandma. Um, she's like, she's 98. Um, she doesn't really follow conversations and everything, but she, at one point, like I took a video of her and, and she's like running her finger around the rim of her glass. And she's like, now the coffee man, he makes the coffee, how he does it. I don't know, but he makes it. And then we buy the coffee. 
we buy it from the coffee man. And then we take it home, and my son, Tommy, makes the coffee. I don't know how he does it, but he makes it, and it's good. This is grandma, yeah. grandma talking. I'm like, these are, these are important conversations to have. You got to get it down. You got to hear it. You got to hear it. Wisdom, wisdom from Be Nona. attentive from Nona. Yep. How old is Nona now? 98. 98. Man alive. 98. Yeah. Yeah. She's still, she's still pumping. She ate solid food for the first time in a long time. She's been living on a steady diet of coffee, lemonade, and uh, milkshakes because that's all she'll eat. And the doctor said it doesn't matter. She's fine. Feed her whatever she wants. Let her have milkshakes. And uh, so uh, Tommy goes out to Hardee's or whatever and gets her a milkshake every morning. I mean, God bless him. And, or he, he like he'll like freeze the one from the night before and then you know, but um, she ate solid food while I was there. One of the first times. What would an Italian eat if you're coming out of a long hunger right at Christmas time? Uh, a solid food like yeah. panettone. 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 That's perfect. the first thing. That's the first thing she ate. She goes, "It's Christmas. Of course you're going to eat panettone." So she just ate it. That's funny. Mike and I. Um, after the midnight mass at St. Peter's one year, we came back and it just everything was nothing's open. Yeah, there's nothing. Yep. So all we had was a panettone. So we just like devoured that thing. Yeah. for a meal. That was it. You know, nice thick loaf. Well, that sounds like what my seminarians eat for dinner. We have great great fare at the seminary. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Rich fare. Rich fare. Juicy rich foods. Right. And uh, what do they eat for dinner? I saw one guy eating Oreos tonight, dipping his Oreos in his milk. I was like, are you a five-year-old who doesn't have parents? Like, what is this? And the other guy comes out, he's got a thing of peanut butter, and he's just scooping his banana into the peanut butter. And I'm just like, oh, my God, these millennials. What did you guys have for dinner tonight? Uh, It was like a beef stew. What? And they're eating Oreos. And he goes, I had a cappuccino. I'm not. That was Ian. I had a cappuccino. I'm not hungry. And I was like, what? How does that make any sense? But... Say la vie. Yeah, this is my life now. Eating Oreos for dinner with these guys, and they deep, they have an air fryer. Is that a thing? Yes. Uh huh. We got one of those. Yeah. So it's a lot of corn dogs, what? air frying. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> this is my life. I'm going to be 400 pounds by the end of the year. These guys just they just can eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I remember. It's kind of like the priests who live here with you. It's just like they just it's just it's just gone. They can. Yeah. But it'll slow down. They, they metab- like they like the, they like the munch. It's a lot of munch. They like the munch. It's a lot of munch. It's a lot of munch, yep. You can munch, but you got to exercise, right? And so the new thing for the Nepple family is spar. You know about spar? No. You're going to hate this. You're going to hate everything about this. Spar. This is good fuel for you to make fun of me, though, later. Uh Uh-huh. Of course, Katie Nepple. And so you have have to – it's like a workout thing. So you you check in. It's actually you can compete on anything. We could be like, Here you have to go. eat 100 beaver nuggets every day for the next 30 days. There we go. And if you don't, you got to check in every time you do it, whatever the competition is. Yeah. And you have to send a video, right? What? So my mom's like, hey, I'm in Florida, and I'm going for a three-mile run. Hope you guys are good. She checks in. If you don't do it, if you miss, you got to pay into the pot, and whoever wins gets the pot. Wait, you got you have to do a three-mile run now? No, you can do whatever. You got to oh. work out for 20 minutes. That's the, that's the, the nepple thing right now. Right, what? Yeah, so you could do you could do any kind of competition, but Spar is this app. I'm actually not terribly impressed with it, but it's um, yeah, where you can throw your money at each other, and you know, excellent. It's more competition, right, buddy? We love more that competition. competition. That's what we need. And are you going to say, hey, I'm I'm a Santa Rosary? We could do that. 
five rosaries a week, check in. Hey, everybody, what's up? Just checking out my pecs while I'm praying my rosary. No? You could. You could do that. Well, well good luck. Good luck. See, I knew you would uh, be really excited to hear that. That's Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. We come from different families. It's okay. We come from different families. We come from different what's, families. I mean, like, is it just you, Katie? Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Mom. Dead. Yeah, shocker. Dad doesn't care. So Jordan, Jordan's the, uh, the cash flow behind it? Jordan's the cash flow behind everything, as you know. What's the winner get? The money. How, for how long? It depends. So this is just a two-week thing. Oh, so what happens if nobody, what happens if everybody works out every day? Then, it, then it's a wash, Boring. just like a bet. Yeah. One tie, all tie. That's One what I'd tie, say. All tie. Yeah. That's we could do I'd... the daily rosary through Lent and see yeah. which companions got to pay up. That would be interesting. I'm not taking a video of myself. I'm not taking a video of myself. I know. I agree. It's... That's all right. She okay. just wants to see your face. It's like Snapchat with competition. That is true. Yep. That is true. Just when you thought Strava was the worst thing in the universe. Oh, I'm there's spar. Yeah. It's all right. There's spar. There's spar. You're dancing around a little bit. You don't you got a topic? I don't want to do this topic with you. Oh because why? of uh what happened? I'm dealing with Hopper from Stranger Things right now, so I'm a bit nervous because I want to follow up on the subordination topic. And I was like feeling a little hemmed in because I was like, hmm. He doesn't want to hear about Mary in the church. He's already getting bored of that. So what do I got? Nothing. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I mean. You took that shot last week. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I did. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you have. If a, I hear one more word about blah, 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 medieval thinkers think this about Mary, blah, blah, blah. I think some of our podcast listeners would tend to agree. All right. All but right. I mean, you, you got some bags of tricks, you know, fundamental theology and I don't know. What are the theological anthropology? You're teaching that to so semester. we're doing anthropology right now. Ready for that? Are you going to do Marian anthropology? Well, Mary's intimately connected to anthropology, so it might slip into that. It might right? slip in. It might slip into that. Num quam satis. That's right. According to uh, Chris Lubsock. Exactly. According to Chris Lubsock, he would crush it on Spar. He would crush you. He's coming. Do you know that? Sweet. I ran into his uh, cousins actually at Good Shepherd. That was very nice. Mm. Uncle, what's his name? Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin's daughters. Yep. To the topic. To First the to- off, uh, a gift <sighs> to give you. This is from my college kids. They bought Father Nathan Bigfoot socks. Where did they find these things? Idaho Springs, Colorado. Nice. Well, that's clutch. So those are great. So they're very happy to give you that, and they said thank you. I'd like to give them the first shout out to say thank you, everybody, for they were amazing. They just worked. They came yeah. here and just hung out, and they worked. Yep. It was great. It was uh, T-shirts and free labor. Seven women living in Andrea and Kat's two-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. Yikes. Wow. It's a lot of hair. I you know what it. they do? <laughs> Onto the side of the... Ugh. Yeah. Joe Haight told me that one time. He had a oh. girl roommate. We've never lived with women, not since they were little. Night. but just <laughs> Don't make that sound again. <laughs> All right. What I want to talk about today is super nerdy <laughs> that's why yes i love it that's why i'm, now I'm, I'm a excited bit apprehensive a bit apprehensive here we go this is like we're going to the depths of i am revealing this is a vulnerable moment nerd alert this is a nerd alert all right this is tolican nerd dumb oh yeah like sure. i've never oh, i've never down. exposed before. problem is i haven't read this book so the book that he's talking about is the silmarillion Silmarillion. What do you know about the Silmarillion? You've never read it? I know it's the prequel to The Hobbit. 
it is. That's it. It's the mythology and cosmology, you could say, of Middle Earth. Hmm. So it's the creation story. And what I love about it, it's it's like Christian mythology, but it's 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 so deeply steeped in his worldview that it's the creation, it's the fall, and it's the battle of good and evil that's taking place. Does it uh, tell you the story oh, of the rings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man, that's I the, that's read the that. end of this, right? But before there were the rings, there were the Silmarils, okay, and hence the name Silmarillion, okay, which is the quest to recover. The three Silmarils, these jewels that were created by the Noldor elves. Here we go. We're getting into it. Yep. In Valinor, which was the... Remember when they all want to go to the west? Mm-hmm. The elves are all leaving to go yeah. to the west? Yeah. So the elves... The gray ships. So first off, if you're looking for something to read and you like Tolkien, this is an absolute must. I know. The beginning of the beginning creation story, uh, Iluvatar is the name of the, the god, and he creates these kind of beings, kind of like angels, you could say. Um, the Valar and the Maya would be like the two levels, Valar kind of being the highest. And they sing creation into being. Mm-hmm. It's this absolutely magnificent. And what it did for me was um, I try and read one of the uh, Tolkien books every year, and I just so happen to be back into this. But what it what it helped me, it, if you ever feel like Genesis just needs to kind of get a little stale for you. Yeah, you know, word of God. Then you read, you read the... Sure. Read this, the music of the Ionar, which is the the story of how this kind of comes to be. But it's mm. it's so beautiful because what happens is, of course, the greatest of them all, or the most beautiful and the most powerful, Melkor is his name, falls in love with his own voice, right? Ooh, Melkor. Right? But now Iluvatar sat and hearkened, this is Malkor, God, so to speak. get it? Malkor. Bad singer. Melkor, yeah. Melkor. Very good. And for a great mm. while, it seemed good to him, for in the music there was no flaws. This is in the beginning, as the, mm. as the Valar are, are singing creation into being. But as the theme progressed, it came into the heart of Melkor to interweave matters of his own imagining that were not in accord with the theme of Iluvatar. So he brings in his own, for he sought therein to increase the power and glory of the part assigned to himself. Malkor. So so begins the destruction and the instability of all of this. And Malkor hmm. falls and becomes known as Morgoth. Okay. Morgoth? Morgoth. Yeah. Whoa. Still with me. Yeah. And Morgoth's underling is a guy named Sauron. What? Right. So Sauron is that second Sauron. level of angels. Yeah. Yeah. Go. You got it. Go. The lizard. The lizard. That's Sorrow. You got it. Amazing. Yeah. So Tyrannosaurus <laughs> is great lizard king. Great lizard king. The, uh, li- yeah, great, terrible lizard king. Terrible lizard king. So Sauron is... This will make more sense on your second Negroni. Wow. Right. I know. Well... So the creation story happens. The fall happens. The elves are originally born, the first children of Iluvatar. They're born in Middle Earth, but they come to the West, almost all of them. The elves are the first ones created? First ones created the, of the children of Iluvatar. So, like the elves, and then man, man mankind is created after mm. that. Mm-hmm. So, but the elves go to the west. So they cross the seas and they go to the west, and they basically because the Valar wanted them to be to live with them and to be with them, and so 
there's several of the of the strands, so to speak. Not every, not all of the elves come across, but most of them do. And one of the kinds is called the Noldor, N-O-L-D-O-R. Mm-hmm. And the Noldor become um, intimately connected with the the creation of um, the world, and they start to kind of work in it. And what one of them creates, a guy named Fionor, is the Cimmerils, okay? And the Cimmerils are the greatest jewels. What they embody is the... So the the trees of light are this kind of image of the perfection of this this heavenly place, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is Valinor, which is destroyed by Morgoth, and then he takes off, but he steals the Cimmerils. So what happens is there's this whole battle where Fionor. Make sure you don't give away the ending. Leads I'm not. I'm just leads the Noldor out, and there's this whole moment when they because they have to go up to the north and cross this kind of crazy ice thing and there's all this betrayal and it's an amazing story but Fionor is obsessed with getting the Cimmerils back who's Fionor again Fionor is the 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 elf who created the Cimmerils ah yeah I can tell you're getting more interested as this goes oh you're totally geeking out it's amazing so anyways fast forward millennia okay and you come to the story which I think is the heart of the story of the Silmarillion which is the story of Baron and Luthien Hence the name of the podcast today, Baron and Luthien. I first came to think... Is he a Spaniard? He was not. Luthien. Luthien is her. Luthien. Luthien is the woman. Elf. Elf and Baron is man. Is Is a bear. Is a a man. (laughs) This is why I was nervous. Yeah, this is is fascinating. Are you loving this? Yeah, actually I am. You can see that I'm actually a lot more excited now. I know. We can talk about Mariology at any point. No, it's not yeah. Yeah, Mariology I can deal with. It's the spar, you know, sport or whatever. Okay, so let's step out of Middle Earth for a second. Let's go back to Oxford uh, last spring. Father Austin Licky and I go for a, a long walk. We're staying in it's Oxford. Constitution. It was not a Constitution. It was after the Constitution. We go for a long walk. Constitution is a walk. Wolvercott is a small village outside of Oxford little ways out we took a little bus and then we we walked and we were walking to a place called the trout which is this inn that's right on the river absolutely magnificent just one of these kind of quintessential just perfect british afternoons well we walk through wolvercott we walk right past the cemetery and guess what we didn't realize at the time no J.R. tolkien is buried in the cemetery in wolvercott wow and i was like you've got to be kidding me so he went back and he visited the, the when tomb. did you find out later he figured it out uh, afterwards, and so Austin went back and visited. And uh, but what's interesting about the tomb uh, of Wolvercott is J.R. Tolkien, John Ronald Rue, and his wife Edith are buried together. And guess what names he put on their t- one put on their tombstones? Baron, Baron and Luthien. 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 The Spaniard. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So he saw in this. And these characters in particular express something of his own married life, and uh, which if you, if you know anything about the story of John Ronald Rue Tolkien and Edith Platt, it's very interesting because they were both orphans who ended up in the same kind of boarding house together as young teenagers, and they got to know each other and they fell in love. But Tolkien, his story and Edith's, so Tolkien grew up in the country. His dad dies when he's young. Uh, but his dad converted to Catholicism, and his Protestant family basically rejected his mom completely. Mm. So they were raised in adjunct poverty, and she ends up dying when he's like 13, 14. 
she leaves him in the custody of a priest named Father Morgan, who is an oratorian in Birmingham, which is where John Henry Newman founded the oratory about 30, 20, 30 years earlier. Right? Right there. There he is, St. John Henry Newman. So, anyways, Edith Edith is also, her, fa- her parents pass, and uh, they start to fall in love, and they fall so in love that uh, Tolkien fails his exams to get into Oxford, and Father Morgan says, you're done with her until you're 21. So he has to just cut everything off. Yeah. And he, uh, but her family also doesn't like him because he's Catholic, and so she, they don't want him to do with anything like her extended family. And so there's this whole kind of thing that happens. So three years later, pass, um, and he calls her, or I guess writes her. They don't really call each other. Yeah. But, um, and she's engaged. No. Yep. So she, so he takes off. He gets on the next train, and he goes to the other side of England, wherever it was, and he just professes his love to her and says, "You have to break this off." And he convinces her to end the engagement, and they get and they get married in when was it? Nineteen sixteen, nineteen seventeen. Something. What like happened that. to the poor chap that she was engaged to? He's just a piece of history now. Right? He ended up becoming Sauron. He be, he became Morgoth. So March twenty second, nineteen sixteen. So I say that because their story is interpreted in him um, in in the way that he's writing the Cimmerillion. Because remember, 1914, 1916, The Hobbit is published, and it's a huge success. And they say, we want the next thing from you. And he, sa- and he gives them basically this. And they're like, no way. This is way too weird. This wasn't published until after his death by his son, Christopher. Yeah. So this is published posthumously. But within the Silmarillion is the story of Baron and Luthien. And now, if you're interested in the story more, they've actually published it separately. It just came out a couple of years ago. Um, this kind of epic saga that was inspired by his reading of medieval sagas and his his love of kind of the ancient world and romance. I bring all this up to you because I also came across an article. That's so great, John. You think that I'm Baron? I, I mean, I'm flattered. I really am. But um, you're, I, um, you're the mortal. Yes. Baron and Luthien meet each other in the forests of Doriath. Okay. Go on. Which is the... Uh, <laughs> How do you remember all this stuff? <laughs> it's... Um, which is this, this kingdom. By the way, this is the dude version of Pride and Prejudice. Right. Like, when women are just like, oh my gosh, Mr. Darcy, what an absolute right. doll. And I'm just like, barf. Like, I could listen to this stuff forever. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it as short as possible here. Oh, I think you're doing fine. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate I just, it. I just giggled because of uh, your word pronunciation. Luthien is considered the most beautiful thing in creation, right? The daughter of Thingol and um, I forget the uh, Melian is her name. And Melian is one of the Maya, so she's kind of an angelic thing. It's complicated. but So they meet. They fall in love. He becomes completely obsessed with like I have to I have to spend my life and marry this woman, but she's an elf. And so she's immortal. Elves are immortal; they don't die. Uh, so you can see where this is going. Hence, yes, right. Hence, where this is going. Yes. So Thingol says to Baron, "You can marry my daughter on one commission, on one condition. You get the Cimmeril out of the crown of Morgoth in his fortress of evil, Angba." Uh, Angbad, which is in the far north of Middle Earth. Angbad. So he takes the Cimmerillions and or the Cimmerils and puts them in his crown. These are the most beautiful jewels in all wow. of Middle Earth. So he has to get one of these things. All right, don't tell me anymore. That's it. So they set off. Sauron gets involved. Yes. But the whole point of okay. this, the whole point of this, is to say 
how different their experience reading this story is so different to me than what I see when I go to movies and when you hear about everything in this kind of post-feminist world, which is now men used to be the heroes. Now women are the heroes, right? Now it's Wonder Woman. Now it's Ray and Star Wars and guys are kind of the duds and they just hmm. can't get, they can't get it right. And what I love about the story of Baron and Luthien, which comes out of Tolkien's own experience of marriage is that he got subordination and he got submission in the sense of mutual submission in adventure, in the conquest. And I was like, this is this is what it's all about. Amen. What was inspired by this was Kelsey Buckingham. Kelsey your, Buckingham. Your new friend. Yes, we have so excited. encountered each other. I told her all the things not to say to you. Yep. If you don't want to, you know, so don't say, oh, my God, I know so much about you. Yep, that's one. We're going to be such good friends. Two. You need me. Everything Three. basically Lear Darrow told you, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of swing and a miss. <laughs> so uh, Kelsey said, hey, great podcast on subordination. But but as every woman likes to remind us, there's always a but. She said, your, whole, your one image of what this looks like, Indian leg wrestling, believe it or not, didn't resonate with her. Okay. Shocking. Okay. okay. So she said, we need something a little more. And I guess there's a book called The Song for Nagasaki. Yeah. And she said that that's a beautiful example. I haven't read it, but beautiful example of what we're discussing here with an, uh, an authentic femininity that is complementary to masculinity in terms of the, the mutual self-gift and the living out of mission, of adventure in these mm. things. So she offered that. And I, I offer that to anybody who's interested in this. But I, I do think that the story of Baron and Luthien is an example of how they actually can be held together, right? Mutual sub subordination, mm -hmm. mutual submission is the key to a true story. And I just, I just see it so bastardized in our culture now. Yeah. And it's just like every, I just feel like every movie, first off, you have to have a makeout scene. With a gay couple, like that's like the that's the thing now. It's Down Abbey. It's Star Wars. It's just like yeah. you got to put that in there. But also, it's just we are indoctrinating another generation to say that you you can't have both. You have to have one or the other. And you, it used to be men. You, men used to be the heroes. Now women are the heroes. And um, I mean, it's it's just like, well, what if they actually work together? And what if the way right. that they work together was distinctively masculine and distinctively feminine? Because that's what Luthien and Baron express as they together, because I won't blow the ending, but he... Don't blow it. I'm not blowing it. This is just part of the story. I'm not blowing the ending. He pursues Morgoth and the Cimmeril, but he gets captured by Sauron. Why would you tell us because this Because this, this is just on the way. And she comes into the story, and they go together. That's what I'm That's saying. That's a surprise. Stop telling things about the book. This is a podcast on the book. I don't care. I don't want to hear these Are you gonna read little it? details. Yeah, I'm going to okay. read it. All right, then I'll stop right there. Good the point night. is to say that together they, they're on mission. Together they're in adventure, but they're distinctively feminine and distinctively masculine. And that's what I just I love about Tolkien. And I love that he put Baron and Luthien on his tombstones. Mm. Hey, I just think that's just an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I mean, TV is, has been lampooning 
fathers for quite some time, you know. So you kind of recycle, like go backwards. Modern Family, um, Modern Family, The Office, uh, Simpsons, Family Guy, um, uh, Home Improvement. Full House didn't even have a mother. Right. So, I mean, that one, but honestly, the men were kind of idiots, and it was that lady, whatever, Aunt Becky or whoever, that now, like, is in jail. Is she? Yeah, she tried to get her kid in college by paying. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, but then if you rewind it back, one of the last people that is considered, like, even a decent dad, you know who it is? The Cosby Show. Yeah. Wow. And now we're, yeah, yeah we're seeing yeah. the full ramifications of right. that. So, I mean... um, Men are have certainly been seen as less than ideal or virtuous for quite some time. Right. So it is a beautiful story when you right. can actually have them working together. I haven't seen this movie, so I'm not going to give away endings or middles Which or movie? plot twists. This is not a movie. This is called a book. I know, so but on, I'm you, saying... This, this is a book. You read these. I know. So you, you but look you at just, the words. Oh, I'm sorry. At what point, at what point does you. Luthien come back in? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Middle of the book? That was important to the theme of this important. podcast. Okay, well, you could have said it in a very different way. Okay. You could have said it in a very different way. I'll take... Now I can't read that book for like a year, because <laughs> I'm going to remember that. Okay. Anywho, um, the the movie... Um, what was it called? I'll spar you that you're not going to read this book Quiet. in the next year. Okay. What is the name of that movie? It's with uh, the guy from John Krasinski and his wife. Uh, Quiet Place. Yes. They're making a new one. But they apparently they work together. Right. And I haven't I haven't seen the movie. Oh my so god, not, the best part of it. Give, is... Yes. Oh my gosh, tell me. <laughs> oh yeah, in Titanic, the boat sinks. Yeah, you need to watch that movie, and you need to read this Baron and Luthien. But that that is a great example of of the complementarity that we're talking about here. Well, I'll tell that you, subordination is a positive thing. That's what we're saying. Yes. When it's done mutually and in love. Right. And I would say the book that I got my mom for Christmas is a wonderful story of this. It's um, Far From the Maddening Crowd mm. by Thomas Hardy. And honestly, like men need women and women need men. And when they don't have each other, they, they, they fall apart. And I mean, right now, all these ladies are like, you know, goo goo gaga over uh, Mr. Darcy. Get to know Gabriel Oak, Farmer Oak. He's a good man. And, and women uh, and men like have weaknesses and they both have strengths and they need each other. So I'm sorry, Kelsey Buckingham just needs to get a tandem bicycle, and then her and um, what's his name, Hank? Richie Hank. I she got my reference. She goes, she goes. Uh, this is uh, I'm Kelsey Buckingham, and this is my husband Hank. And I go, my name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife Oprah from Austin Powers. Uh, so Hank. Hank Buckingham can just get a tandem bicycle, and then the two of them can just ride together, and they'll never leg wrestle, and they'll be a wonderful treat. Yeah, but she is not interested in that. That's not the answer. So what's the answer? Well, let's jump into John Paul II first. Okay. He writes on Our Lady. In a when I was essay. at the Trout Inn with my friend Leonie Caldicott, no, I actually went there a second time, and I was with... <laughs> Lainey Kella, who's the widow of Stratford Caldecott. Yes. Is this funny to you? Yeah, it's just certain certain things that people tell me about the podcast that just always are coming true. Well, that's great. Thank you for that really condescending and esoteric <laughs> remark. 
Leonie Caldicott. Yes, I'm listening. So we're sitting there, and, and this is an article she wrote called Sincere Gift, the Pope's New Feminism. In? Comunio. Oh, published recently? When was it published? 1996. Oh, wow. Wonderful article. She's kind of summarizing John Paul II's vision of feminism, new uh-huh. feminism, right? And this was the line that grabbed me, and I thought after the subordination podcast that it was worth saying. You read this in response to the subordination podcast. I read this recently and uh, thought about the subordination podcast mm-hmm. because she's talking about mutual subjection here, ah. which is the same thing we were talking about. Given the Pope's nuptial understanding of human nature as a, quote, unity of the two, the first key to his new feminism must lie in the exegesis of the marriage covenant as one of mutual subjection over against the simple subjection of wife to husband. There is, a, there is still subjection, still obedience, still a distinction of roles, still complementarity, but it is a mutual subjection and therefore not oppressive. This is how the Pope introduces the concept of mulieres dignitatum, drawing out the implications of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. So what she's saying here is that we should not be afraid of this language of subordination, of subjection, if we understand it in light of mutuality. Yeah. That, and this is exactly what we were saying. Goes both ways. Exactly what we were saying in the, in the podcast. But, but the man leads. The man leads. Baron does I didn't say it. I didn't want to blow it. Yeah, don't blow it. But don't like, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Go for it. I, the the original, the original. Um, how do I say it? The original kind of analogy for this, I think, is that I mean, obviously, the primordial analogy is that you know, from from out of man comes woman. Okay, so there is a primacy, but not in terms of like I'm better, but there is one who's first. He has a, a duty and a responsibility. But the beautiful thing about this, and I preached on this at uh, Megan um, Megan Whitfield's wedding, Megan Dempsey's wedding, um, is the man is the first one to go out on one knee. He's the one to actually propose. He doesn't impose. Mm-hmm. He doesn't impose himself. He actually proposes. I offer myself to you. Will you take me? Will you be my bride forever? There's a moment of weakness and dependence. And the woman has all the power in the world. The guy is literally on the ground. He's begging. Ain't too proud to beg. And he's giving this symbol of his desire to be wed to her. But all of it comes to, all of it comes in her response. All of it comes back to that. Sound familiar? Yes, I'm with you. Like who? What? Come on, John. I'm tossing you a softball. Mm-hmm. Who's that sound like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He seems like a nice guy. He looks like a nice guy. Sounds like Our Lady. Bing, Bingo. Bing, bing. And this is the key. It's the proposal. It's the proposal. Right. This is the book I'm going to write. Yes. The that church, we co-author. That we co-author. Yes. The church, Mary, and woman have to be understood what? together. No, we're not. That's not the book I want to write. We're not writing that book. Okay, what yeah, book but you, it'll be great. Yeah. What was the book? I mean, oh, this is just classic. You know what? That's so funny. That's exactly what people have said about you. It's so funny. Belgar and Luthien. <laughs> eternal, eternal, eternal <laughs> fights. No, so yeah, this actually ties into. The, but I'm saying, like, uh, like, women, women have a problem with that. Know, but in looking, that moment, they love it. I know they love that they have all the power 
in that, and they cannot help but respond in weakness. Like there's an elation, and then there's mutual dependence, mutual desire, and then all of a sudden when we say, hey, by the way, in marriage, you guys are going to be mutual subject to one another. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. How dare you? I'm like, you had no problem with it whenever you were engaged. How do you think that Hank Buckingham proposed? Did he just like belch in her face and say, you like that? No. He probably extended. He probably biked to a mountain and then yes. climbed the mountain. Right. But they like to bike. This is a great example. They like to bike and climb together. But she doesn't want to sit on a tandem. Why not? Now, there are some people who ride tandems. The Kent fan, the Kent parent, Ryan Kent's really? parents have, a, have the nicest tandem. It's like unbelievable. <laughs> and they, they're awesome. They, they pack this thing down and they go all over the world and they tandem together. But Kelsey Buckingham, Kelsey, she's not going to be on a tandem. She's her own. She's her own bicycle, that one. She's her own bicycle, right? And she I, ain't no bicycle built for two. Chicky bow wow. <laughs> what? Chicky bow wow. <laughs> this is getting reduced to absurdity quickly. I need to finish Go this Go on up. with um, Miss Sen- Senora Caldecott. All right. How I'll do you pronounce her name? Leonie? Leonie. I'm just going to say one. So the two things that John Paul continually comes back to in his new feminism. Don't because, spoil Mulier's Dictat. <laughs> <laughs> All this crap you're never going to read. Sorry. Okay, Yeah, that was good. That was funny. I'm happy you're back. Good to have you back, Hopper. Um, so the two things that John Paul II is constantly coming back to it, that Caldecott stresses here is that women um, distinctively express the contemplative outlook. Right, uh-huh. that's what he, the Pope is always talking about. That yeah. the defense and celebration of life, this contemplative outlook, mm-hmm. the Pope sees as entrusted primarily to women. Here lies the great task and the starting point for a new feminism. So, if you want to get just get down to it and say, what do we mean by feminism? We don't just mean that women need to be mutually subordinate, but there's also a distinctive genius, which John Paul talks about which is rooted in this contemplative outlook which is rooted in receptivity which is why women love to be proposed to and actually receive mm-hmm. this the initiative the initiative of the man right but all of this is kind of falling away because we're being indoctrinated by by modern ideology actually this happened just recently um i was reading this article on the internet where uh, a husband and wife got married and then before they were introduced the minister flipped a coin, and the coin determined whose name they would take. And the man took the woman's name. Wow. And I'm like, wow, dude. Mandolin Orange, they took each other's names. But again, Whatever. all of this is being reinterpreted. The, the, all of the practical questions and the specifics, there's all this symbolism and this richness that comes out of the Christian tradition of marriage and it expresses these things and all of these symbols are being overturned because people just they've lost an ability to think about these things but when you lose the contemplative receptivity when you lose that culturally when you live in an, in an anima technica vacua when all you want is activity 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 who cares about the genius of woman because who cares about receptivity who cares about dependence who cares about that looks like weakness that looks like get on the back of my tandem bike and I'll take us where I want to go you got a fast car. I got a ticket to get inside of here. Maybe we'll get there together. Didn't make it too far. 
Last line from Leonie, and then we'll call it. She says this. She says, women for life on earth, this is a lovely ideal, but women are powerless to do more than wreak more havoc on earth unless they're rooted in heaven. Whoa. That's a, that's a striking line from a woman who is, who has so had such a beautiful marriage and was so deeply in love with her spouse that she's literally heartbroken and she's been heartbroken for years since he died. I mean, she's, she literally can't recover. And I think that Leonie and Stratford Caldecott expressed something that John Ronald Rue and Edith Tolkien lived out, which Tolkien somehow managed to express in this wild and beautiful mythological, mythological story of Baron and Luthien. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the corrective we need. Um, and so this is just an extension playing out of our subordination podcast. And thank you for your attention tonight. Awesome. You certainly like sticking your nose back into Badger's dens and just being like, hey, I know last time you like threw like a huge bear paw at me and like growled, but I'm just going to come back with more information and I'm going <laughs> to sniff right back in that mm-hmm. barrel. Hmm. That's right. We'll see. Well, we'll see you and Kelsey Buckingham on a tandem bike this summer, and we're going to be sparring this summer. That. Let's go to shout out. Just remember, Kelsey, the fat one is on the front. <laughs> I just learned that on tandem bikes, the, the, the larger person has to be in the front. Maybe they make tandem bikes with motors on them, right? Yes. Oh, dude, electric bike for sure. All right, we got a lot of shout outs here. Can I give one first? Sure. We actually have a wedding invitation. Oh. Uh. Such a perfect uh, shout out for today. Hannah and Chris. Um, I don't know. From where? Hannah and Chris. Just says Hannah and Chris. We wanted to send a wedding invite uh, as a thank you for your podcast and all what it has done for our relationship. Of course, if you could come, you wouldn't have to co celebrate. Uh, also, my fiance doesn't know I'm writing this, but she would get a kick out of a shout out. Her name is Hannah. She's my wife, and she is anti-banter. No. Uh, firmly in the pro-banter camp. Hannah and Chris. Um, Jeez. Lastras. That's, that's a complex focus Lastras. inventory right there. Hannah and Chris a pro-banter Lastra. and an anti-banter marrying. That's like an elf and a, and a mortal. You say tomato. I say tomato. You say potato. I say potato. Hannah and Chris. In Rogers, Arkansas. Thank you for your invitation. Thanks for the invitation. January 4th, may uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, continue to intercede and pray for the both of you. Helen Hagstrom from Queen of Peace always gives me a bottle of Crown Royal and she says, enjoy this. And so she was the first of four. I I didn't get all of the, the the war spoils from... Olo, I think he schlepped all that back to California. Yeah, I... I uh, he took most of it. I didn't find it. Yeah, it's... I know. It's gone. So this is what I got, and this is what I want to thank people for. Helen, thank you so much for that. You're wonderful. Deacon Joe and Bev Fitzpatrick from Crested Butte, Colorado, yeah, drove out, great. and they gave us an awesome, awesome care package, right? We got a bottle of Montagna rum, Camp 4 coffee, our favorite, of course, some pretzel oh, bites. Oh, sweet. That's what that is? Yeah. Did you take that? What? The Camp 4 to coffee? I gave it to Andrea. Sorry. Megan Sims and Claire Bush from Seattle gave us another thing of Cafe Vita coffee and some uh, Seattle chocolate bars. Sweet. Those also went to Andrea. Sorry. Jerry Ann Hack and the Elizabeth Russ family from South Dakota. Don't worry, you got all that 
beer, Kimball honey popcorn. You were very excited about the Dots homestyle pretzels. Yes. Most importantly, wooden knife Indian fry bread mix, which I know you're going to use. I am going to make that. And some sauces. I'm especially interested to see what you think of that Old West barbecue sauce. So thank you to all of them for many, many uh, gifts. And whatever Olo took... Thank you to the rest of you. Right. And we'll make sure that Father Mike Rapp gets something because um, apparently we gave it all away. Do-do-do. Dear fathers, hello. My name is Rosemary Battle. I'm a first grade teacher in Michigan and a longtime listener. Recently in L.A. visiting the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart and was helping the sisters address their Thanksgiving envelopes. And I fangirled pretty hard when I saw one addressed to Father Nathan. So now... (laughs) See? Subordination. He doesn't even have a mullet, people. He actually hates you. He doesn't like meeting That's you. That's not even he true. He doesn't like people. That's not true. What is happening to this community? We I watched love, that Seinfeld episode recently. I love that. Uh, so now when you get the letter, you can be sure it was packaged by a fan. The sister I was working with had no idea what I was talking about, so I tried my best to describe a podcast. Anyways, I thought I would just share and ask for your prayers. Uh, cheerfully in Christ, Rosemary Battle from East Lansing, Michigan. Nice. I met Dan Westerman. Oh, you did? At a Seek conference. Uh-huh. Does not look at all about what I visioned. Westerman and the Eusterman. Yeah, but I mean, like, I thought Westerman was going to be, like, burly and, like, a thick beard and kind of, like, you know, like, no, bigger. No, not and, bigger. And, and he was like, hi, I'm Dan Westerman. And no. I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. So, anyways, yep. and Dan, Father Dan Kogut. So, greetings to our Lansing brethren up there. Good. Last Thank shout you. out, Father Will Schmidt. Again, we shouted him out uh, in the fall, but just great to talk to you today. Really great, grateful for our conversation. We got it. just great to be connected to priest friends all over who are uh, just of the same mind. And to the college kids who gave the uh, socks to Father Nathan, thanks for all your help this weekend. Amen. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. We got through that. I'm not going to nerd out for another 10 years so that I cannot be ripped apart by Father Nathan after this, but we did it. I'm gonna read. It. I'm gonna read a Berenstein Bears book and get, totally blow the ending for you. <laughs> this is Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, other portals through which you can pretend to be connected to us through the World Wide Web. This is Father Nathan Goebel signing off with my favorite Elven counterpart, Luthien. <laughs>